Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bull Take Scouting Podcast. As we love to do from time to time, tonight's episode is a question and answer episode where we asked our Instagram and Twitter followers for any of their draft-related questions. We gathered a great handful of questions to answer tonight. And of course, if you're following along live, don't hesitate to drop a, a question in the chat and we'll make sure to address it. Now, Alex, you want to introduce our first question here? Yeah, so I think we'll start off with a really interesting question. Uh, is what is, or sorry, is this one of the greatest edge draft classes ever? And to start off, I mean, I've only been scouting for a limited number of years, so I don't really want to say it's one of the greatest ever um, because I just don't have the the history and the background. But it it is a very very good edge class. Uh, we've talked about this before. It doesn't have that single top like straight up all pro guy, like, you know, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Chase Young, like we've had in the past, but there's many really, really good guys at the top, starting with Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karlaftis, uh, just three guys that come to mind. And then you have guys like Ojabo, uh, Jermaine Johnson, the guy that you really like. Um, so huge depth in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. I have five edge rushers graded in the top 20 picks, and I actually believe six will go in the top 18. And now I'll give you in order. I have Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Karloftis, or I'm sorry, Johnson, Karloftis, Ojabo. And I think you add Walker to that mix because he has so much buzz around the league. And that makes six guys that I think are going to be the top 18 picks. So that's going to be one in every three players drafted in the first 18 selections is going to be a defensive end most likely, which just speaks to how strong this class is. Now, of course, we haven't been around to, to, to scout classes 15, 20, 25 plus years ago. This is definitely the best edge rusher class that I've ever scouted in my five or so years of scouting. But when I think about best ever, I, I think that the lack of a Hall of Fame player from this draft class is, is going to be the deciding factor where, you know, 20 years down the line, people aren't going to remember how much depth there was because even beyond that, when you look at talents like Boye Mafe, Arnold Ebicady, Cameron Thomas, they contribute to how strong this class is, but they're not going to be remembered when we talk about best classes ever in 25 years. And I'm, and as good as the top guys are, I'm not sure anyone's going to be donning a gold jacket from this group. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to look at it. I think it's, like we said before, it's really deep, has a lot of very good guys, but it lacks that great, like you said, Hall of Fame player at the top. And anytime anyone really looks back and says, oh, this was a great draft class, it's because there are some Hall of Fame players in it. And, I mean, you know, people or players come out all the time and end up being Hall of Famers that were drafted third, fourth round. So, you know, we don't know who will be a Hall of Famer and who will not be a Hall of Famer. But I'm not willing to say, oh, this guy has Hall of Fame potential. Uh, like I, I, I did with Chase Young. I said he, you know, everything goes right. He could be a Hall of Famer. So that lack of the elite talent at the top, definitely, I agree, will prevent it from being, you know, considered one of the best ever. Yeah, there's no Chase Young or and no Miles Garrett, but there's a, a lot of talent at every other level of this draft, including in, in the early to mid portion of round one. And now our next question is entirely related to our first one, and it's 
best two defensive ends after Hutchinson and Thibodeau. And so I, I already gave my order where I, I have Johnson as my number three. You don't see that too often, but I think he's the most well-rounded. I, I have him followed by Karloftis, who I think is extremely powerful, really refined, but doesn't have as much juice. And Ojabo after that, who has all the juice and bend around the edge, but isn't as strong, isn't as refined. And I think Johnson is just the best of both worlds and that he's more well-rounded than those two. So that's why I've got those guys in that order. I've got Karlaftis as my uh, third defensive end. Um, I You mentioned his strength, his power. I really love it. Uh, he's really good against the run and the pass. Um, and his speed to power conversion is crazy. Uh, he just throws some offensive tackles all around in his tape. Um, and he, he shows great – great dominance um, in the, the strength department. Uh, I know, you know, he lacks some of that top end athleticism in uh, that bend um, and flexibility on, on the edge. But to me, I just think he's a super high floor guy. You know exactly what you're going to get. He has two years of very, very good tape. Um, so that's why he's my number three. Um, guys like Ojabo and Johnson both have, you know, one year of really good tape. Um, and I think they have a little bit more of a range uh, of outcomes. So I think the, the really high floor with Carl Loftus, and I'd argue he has a really high ceiling, uh, maybe not as high as the other two, but I still think it's really high. I think he can be a, a 10 plus sack guy in the NFL. Yeah. For, for those of you who like player comps, we're not the biggest fans, but I think one that makes a lot of sense for him is Trey Hendrickson where, and you've seen the success that he's had at Cincinnati. So that definitely helps his case. And I, I, I can't help but think about how much the league loves Trayvon Walker. And we, we, we hear so much these days about that, that it wouldn't even shock me at this point if he ends up in the top 10 of the draft. And I initially thought that I was high on Walker back in December when he was seen as maybe a, a fringe top 50 pick. And that isn't within NFL circles. That's from the outside looking in from what the media was saying. But it, now it, I, I guess I'm I'm low on him. It, it's I think it's it's quite odd how that works, and I I think that in the NFL he he goes on the edge. He does have some inside outside versatility, but he's going to be predominantly an edge player. And I I love the power. I love the handwork. I love the, the freak athleticism and effort in pursuit. But I just don't see any type of of bend around the edge to dip under a blocker's shoulder. And I know that's not the type of defensive end. He is, but I think it limits him, and I, I, I can't buy the, the top 10 hype right now. I just want to point out that we've had probably five defensive ends uh, in this draft class that have, you know, have been rumored to potentially go top 10 yeah. uh, in April. Obviously, Hutchinson and Thibodeau at the top, but, I mean, Carl Loftus has kind of been a, a standstill end of the top 10 guy. We've heard rumors that Ojabo might go ahead of Carl Loftus, and now we've heard some things that um, – Trayvon Walker might be in the conversation of going ahead of Thibodeau for some teams. Mm -hmm. So all five of those guys have all had top 10 conversation and, you know, odds are not all five will go top 10 stuff usually happens and guys, you know, fall uh, based off of all the rumors we're hearing, but just to have five guys in the top 10 conversation is, is pretty remarkable. Oh yeah. It speaks to the strength of that defensive end class. And I think now we can move on from what I think, is the best position group in this draft and move to what's kind of seen as the weakest. And that's the quarterback class. And our, our question regarding the quarterbacks is plain and simple is Sam Howell overrated. And, you know, I think that depends on who is rating him. Uh, I think that there's nobody really thinks that he's a, a surefire franchise quarterback. And I, 
think that's rightfully so. He regressed in 2021. His accuracy took a dip. He didn't get any better against pressures that when your internal clock isn't great and you, you, you take too many sacks and you're, you can't even reliably place the ball, I don't think that you can be confident in, in a projection towards being a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I'd argue that both of us have a similar eye grade on him, which is a, a late second round grade. Um, and that's kind of towards the later end of what we've seen, or at least what I've seen in regards to where Howell's being um, projected and, and graded. But I don't think he's overrated. Um, like, especially quarterbacks are pushed up the board. Um, anyways, he had a really good 2020 season. Um, so, you know, I would not be shocked if some team, you know, falls in love with him, chalks up his 21 or 2021 season as, you know, they didn't, they lost all the talent around him. He had no help. His offensive line was horrible. Um, and you know, like, I understand that I saw that too. Um, but he also should be able to elevate his team, uh, if he's a surefire franchise quarterback. So long, long way to put that, but I don't really think he's overrated. There are definitely some people that do overrate him, still have a high first, higher mid first round grade uh, that I've seen. Um, but, you know, second round grade is what I see for most people. That's about where we have him rated with all things considered. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did end up going in the first round because there's just that many teams that are in need of, of the next guy at the position, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody pulls the trigger and wants to bet on his 2020 tape. And now really next- to be a, uh, a team that needs a quarterback this year because, one, there's a lot of them, and, two, you know, we can argue between Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, probably are two guys uh, towards the top, but neither of those guys are surefire uh, quarterbacks. I think Matt Corral – probably has the best shot to be a franchise quarterback, but we've seen quite a bit of concerns with Kenny Pickett and his hand size and stuff like that. And, you know, outside of those two kind of depends on the situation uh, for the other later first round guys. So kind of tough situation to be in if you need a quarterback. Yeah, I think Corral, Pickett, and Willis are are interesting draft picks that really could pan out, but where I think it gets really bleak is after them. If you're towards the end of the first round, I would stay away from pulling that trigger like we said some team might do for Howell or maybe for Ritter or Carson Strong. Those those three guys I just don't think belong in the first-round conversation. And I think now we can um, move on to the next question. What first-round talent do you see falling to the third or lower rounds. And, you know, I'll kick this off by saying I don't really see a, a true first round talent falling that low. Um, it's also super early on. Uh, you know, you could hear some some rumors that teams don't like a guy for, you know, whatever character concerns, injury concerns, stuff like that. Um, one guy that came to mind to me, uh, speaking of injury concerns, is John Mechie. I have him as a first round talent. I don't have a first round grade on him because of his injuries. I have a 2.0. So obviously the highest second round grade possible. Um, but, I, you know, he might go round two. He might go round three. Really hard to tell right now. Uh, all depends on how he recovers from his ACL. But, you know, in terms of uh, a first round talent that might fall to the third round, I think Mechie possibly could be that guy. Yeah, Mechie's name has really fallen out of many conversations uh, regarding this wide receiver class. Uh, He's going to outdo his draft position. I can promise you that. I also have a 2.0 on him, and he's really unlikely to go in the first round, but he's going to have a big impact in the league. And, you know, I think that that Alabama-Georgia game, it's possible it could have swayed a different way if Mechie was 
able to be on the field. And I think he'd be talked about more if he didn't tear that ACL, which, by the way, we're hearing reports that it, it was a clean tear. He's, he's going really quickly through rehab, and it's supposed to be a full recovery. So I'm really barely docking him for that injury. Now, my answer to this is going to be Auburn cornerback Roger McCreary. I have a, a, a 1.9, a late first-round grade on McCreary. I think he's going to be a reliable, solid starting cornerback in the NFL. But what teams are not going to be able to get past, in my opinion, is the arm length. He has uh, the arm length that falls below the threshold for NFL cornerbacks, and that's a really coveted measurable for that position, which it, you could argue traits is the most important at cornerback than any other position. I don't think he's going to fall all the way to the third round, but, you know, it, when, when they start stacking the, the, the measurables after the combine, I wouldn't be surprised if, he, he slides out of the top 50. So I didn't have a guy on my first round graded board right now that I thought was going to end up in round three, but one that could tumble a bit is McCreary, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think, you know, this next question kind of relates. Uh, what players are going to be huge steals? So obviously the two guys we mentioned, we both believe will be really good steals. Um, but who are some other guys, maybe not injury related, that you could see as some good steals? Well, I'm going to go with a guy that we, we haven't stopped talking about since this sum, this past summer, and that's Traylon Burks, Arkansas wide receiver. But, you know, I've, I've said everything I need to say about him on these episodes, and you can go back to the wide receiver uh, rankings breakdown to hear a more detailed analysis on him. And I'll just make a more general point about the wide receiver class. I think that really all these top wide receivers are going to be big steals because as, as each time I do a mock draft, I – I start going through these picks and, you know, I have the teams opting for the defensive linemen, the offensive linemen, and a good amount of the top group of wide receivers slides into the twenties. Like we could be looking at, in my opinion, the top two receivers in this class in Traylon Burks and Javante Williams, or I'm sorry, Jameson Williams going in the last 10 picks of the first round. And, you know, these could be future pro bowlers where we're scratching our heads on why that happened a few years from now. Yeah, I think it kind of relates to the idea of the past few draft classes have had really, really good wide receivers. And we start to see the league become saturated with wide receivers as it, you know, kind of did with running backs. And now, you know, I'd say most teams in the NFL have a pretty good wide receiver one. So it's it's not a huge position of need for them. Oh, we can wait. There's plenty of really good wide receivers. We don't need to take one in round one. We could get a guy, you know, like Terry McLaurin in round three, DK Metcalf at the end of round two, AJ Brown towards the end of round two. So as we've seen the past couple of draft classes, really good wide receivers have fallen. Uh, I think teams see the value in getting a, a possible wide receiver two, wide receiver one later in the draft. And there's just been so many really good ones. Yeah, on the same point, though, if you wait till day two, you could end up getting a, a guy who gives you no impact. I mean, we saw Tutu Atwell and D. Eskridge go in the second round last year, and they barely saw the field in year one. So, it, you know, when that, when that top guy on your wide receiver board is still sitting there in the teens, I think you got to pull the trigger. Oh, I mean, I agree. But, you know, we're going off point a little bit. It's interesting to me that the Rams took Tutu Atwell in the second round neither of us were high on him either. We thought it was a pretty poor pick. Um, and, you know, they had a stacked wide receiver room to start. Robert Woods got hurt. Odell got hurt. The end of the Super Bowl, Tutu Atwell was not on the field. It was Ben Skoranek instead, uh, who they took late uh, in the 2021 draft. So, you know, just a, just a note, a uh, little bit off point, but 
Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with, you know, what you're saying. It's kind of hit or miss with wide receivers late, but I mean, say, say it's, you know, 50, 50, you take two guys round two, round three, hit on one, miss on one. Nobody remembers the miss. If you hit on a guy. That's true. But you know, at, well, I, I had a graded in the, in the fifth round, he was tiny. He got struggled against route contact. Uh, I was astonished that he went second round, but back on track, I'm going to give, Another name as a as a potential big steal and going farther down in the draft order, I think Cole Strange, center from Tennessee Chattanooga, could be a real steal in this draft class. When when you watch the tape, he's surprisingly athletic for a small school prospect. He's got good core strength to build on, pretty good technique, and it, you it, I struggled to to find weaknesses. Honestly, I think that the biggest question is his adjustment to the NFL. And that was slightly alleviated by how well he played at the Senior Bowl. And on top of that, he played he took some snaps at center at the Senior Bowl and and was really good. So I think that there's a lot of great interior offensive linemen that come from small schools. I mean, you look at the Bucks O line; they have both Ali Marpet and Alex Kappa there from small schools. And I think Cole Strange could be the next in line. Their center as well. I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, yeah. but yeah, he was a he was a D two guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll get to to my uh, prospect that I think is going to be a huge steal, and that's Christian Harris. And if you guys uh, have been with us for a while, if you remember us talking before the 2021 season, we both had Christian Harris in the top 10 of our prospects. He kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, he was His tape was a little bit inconsistent in Alabama. I think we talked about that a little bit um, off, off the camera, but – you know, he showed up in the biggest moments. He showed up in the national championship game. He played really well. And I loved his tape from 2020. Um, and I, I I had a mixed opinion on his uh, his games from 2021, not including the national championship game. Um, and he's a guy that I think could be a really big steal. There was one rumor that I heard a little while ago that mentioned him possibly going in the first round. But other than that, nothing. Um, I feel like he probably won't end up being a first round guy. And I think if he can play every game in the NFL, like he did in the national championship game, he'll be a very good, uh, starting middle linebacker for an NFL team. I loved, uh, Christian Harris coming out of last year. He was my number six rated prospect heading into this 2021 season. I watched three of his tapes from 2021. And I thought in the first two that I watched, he just lacked urgency, almost lacked effort. And it was overall just pretty mediocre play. And then I watched, you know, the national championship tape, and he was one of the best players on the field, and he looked like a future pro baller. So that the natural traits are there. It's just can he put it together on a consistent basis? It reminds me of Christian Barmore. Yes. Barmore was the same way. There was games where he completely lacked effort. That's the reason I didn't have him in the first round. And then he was a star in the the playoff, both playoff games uh, in 2020, and the Patriots took took him in round two, and he's. He's been a really good defensive tackle for them, probably the best uh, from last year's rookies. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots took Christian Harrison round two. Mm -hmm. but I think we can move on to our next question, and that's other than Jamison Williams, what other players could have injuries affect their draft stock? And I'll, I'll give a pair of names here. I think Derek Stingley really suffered from his inability to be on the field for much of the 2021 season. I, I, he would have – Done. It. He would have probably been a top ten, maybe even top five pick if he if he played throughout the year and played well. But now scouts are are looking at 2019 being his last season of full health, 
and that's also his 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 best tape. And you never want a prospect two years removed from their, their full health and, and best tape. So that's definitely a concern. And then George Pickens is a player that you know probably would have been a first round pick if he stayed healthy. He rushed back uh, his ACL tear recovery, it seemed like, because he was on a very limited snap count for the last few games of the season. Had an explosive 50-yard catch in the national championship game, and I think everyone's kind of left wondering now, like, it, are, are we going to get the George Pickens that we saw before then? And uh, I think that he definitely has maybe even a full round decrease in draft stock because of that ACL tear. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me that out of the three wide receivers, George Pickens, uh, Jameson Williams, and John Mechie, George Pickens was the first guy to tear his ACL, and it seems like he could possibly be the last of the three off the board. Uh, mm-hmm. I think John Mechie is the other guy that comes to mind that whose draft stock could drop, you know, possibly quite a bit um, due to injury. Jameson Williams is interesting, though. He just tore his ACL not even two months ago. And it still seems like he's in the first round conversation. Uh, that just shows you how good of a wide receiver prospect he was considered before the ACL injury. Oh, I, th- I think Williams and Messier are better prospects than, than Pickens. Oh, I mean, I would agree as well. Um, but I, I just think, you know, like you said, a possibly Pickens could possibly be losing a round and I, I don't think Williams maybe is losing 10 picks uh, if we think about it. Yeah. And, you know, um, Mechie could be maybe a, ra- a round to half a round. I just think it Pickens has almost had a, a year now to recover from that ACL. So something's something's not right. And it could be, like you said, he could have rushed back a little bit. But just, just something to keep an eye on with George Pickens. Yeah, I, th- I think that the pre-draft process and the workouts are going to be the huge teller for his draft stock. Teams are going to want to see him fully healthy, getting every piece of his athleticism back. And our, our second to last question here is, could a tight end or a running back go in the first round? The answer is no. Nope, that's 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 it. No. Um, maybe just elaborate on this question a little bit. If, if someone told you that a tight end or a running back was going in round one, who would you put your money on? Trey McBride. I, I'm extremely confident that no running back is going in the first round. There, there's that. De- there's definitely a few guys who can be quality starters in the league, but nowhere near special enough to go the first round. You, you look at Najee Harris and and Travis Etienne. They were just really great running back prospects, and they kind of barely slipped into round one. So I don't think there's going to be a running back at the tight end position. I have Trey McBride. Uh, graded around higher than any other tight end. I really like McBride. I have an early second round grade on him. I just don't think he's going to get pushed all the way up into the first round. But, you know, if there was someone at either of these positions, I'd say McBride. Yeah, I have a a mid-second on McBride. Honestly, if if I uh, had to pick one, I'd probably pick Kenneth Walker just because he's my highest graded player. Um, But, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think think either position is going to go – uh, in round one, it, it it just happens that you know both those positions are really devalued in today's NFL, which is kind of interesting uh, if you think about it. With what tight ends can do with their blocking ability and pass catching ability, I don't know how much is tight, the tight end position is devalued more than it's just such a murky transition that teams aren't willing to invest high draft capital at a position where we've seen countless first round busts and at the same time seen so many guys come in. Through day two, maybe even day three, when they grabbed Gronkowski, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and ended up being superstars. George Kittle, 
Yes, but exactly. You'd think after all of that that teams would have figured out, you know, what made these guys succeed and what did we miss? And, you know, that doesn't seem like it's happened yet. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't figured it out. I had, I had a, 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 such a high grade on OJ Howard. I had, I had a first round grade on Irv Smith and both those are looking really bad right now. So I'm still trying to find my footing with scouting tight ends, but you know, if I, it's, it sounds like it's still a, a three horse race between uh, McBride Rucker and likely right now for tight end one, but I'm pretty confident about McBride being the best out of this class. So we'll see if that, if that ends up being correct. Yeah. I think we'll move on to our last question now. Uh, I hope I pronounce his name correctly. What is Jalen Piter's role in the Petre. NFL? Petre. 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 Uh, I think that Tommy, Tommy. he was he was really the the biggest Super Bowl winner that we didn't talk about. I, people just ended up asking for the for the guys that are going to go earliest in the draft, so we didn't talk about him in our Senior Bowl review podcast. But Petrie was one of those guys who who entered. Uh, the senior bowl as a day three guy and left as a day two lock, maybe even, maybe even round two, because if you look at his Baylor tape, it's, it's a lot of playing forward, making plays against the run, but very little usage in man coverage at the senior bowl. He was one of the best players in man coverage at any position. He outplayed so many cornerbacks in man coverage shows showed that he can make plays in reverse. So I think now Projecting his role to the NFL is that of a three-down safety and overall a, a solid starter who can get stay on the field for obvious passing downs and provide quality coverage. Yeah, I don't think Baylor really used him uh, to make him look the best with the skill set that he has. Like you said, he looked really good in coverage in the senior bowl, and he just wasn't asked to do that a lot at Baylor. And I think, you know, if we think about the senior bowl a little bit, that's those are probably some of the guys that benefit the most guys that, you know, have the really good skill sets, but aren't used properly. And, you know, people might say, oh, this guy came out of nowhere and, and rose, you know, rounds due to his senior ball tape. And, you know, it, it could just be because of, you know, the situation that they were put in in college, whether they weren't used correctly, uh, whether they, you know, maybe had a really, really talented guy playing in front of them. Um, so Petrie is definitely uh, one of those guys this year. And like you said, he was probably one of the biggest risers uh, from the senior bowl, rising from day three to, like you said, day two lock. And I, I've heard some things about uh, round two for Petrie. I think you made a fantastic point about how the senior bowl allows players to, to get showcased in a manner that they didn't on their college team. And Perion Winfrey is actually exhibit A of that because you watch his Oklahoma tape, you see the, uh, the flashes of ability to penetrate and shoot gaps. But the vast majority of the time, they're having him slant, having him run the run laterally and so he's not he doesn't get to go upfield and disrupt the quarterback as much as he could and we saw him at the senior ball he was nearly unblockable yeah I think that's a really good point about uh Winfrey and I think that wraps up all our questions uh for today um so thanks everyone for submitting questions thanks to everyone for listening um if you guys obviously do have any questions for us about the draft, feel free to send us a DM. We're more than happy to answer those questions um, or just wait for the next question and answer podcast and we'll, we'll answer it live. Yeah. And I'd like to add that. I think what we're going to be doing at some point later in the process, when we're not having a Q and a podcast too uh, often is we can just put up a Q and a on our story and answer it directly right there. So stay tuned for that as well. Yeah. Thanks everyone for watching and listening and we'll be back with another episode soon.